My name is Mark Solomon, and this is Never Was. I was listening to Billy's most recent two-parter on the Urban Achiever podcast with Jeff Betker, which, by the way, wowzers. This is good. This is good. Anyway, uh, Billy mentioned that Jeff, like many of his friends, our friends, Jeff was a hustler. And you know what? He meant it as a compliment because it is one. I love it. I love the hustle. Find something you can jump into and jump all the way in there. At least until that thing you really want to do for the long haul sort of presents itself, if it ever does. But if you can help it, don't settle for some gig that pays the bills but doesn't allow you to keep your options open. Think about it. Those gigs promise security in theory, okay? But let's walk through that, shall we? Wake up, drink coffee, drive the same drive, show up consistently, kind of. Maybe occasionally show further signs of life at like a really bad softball game. And the next thing you know, you're retired and you're driving slow in front of me down here in Florida. So don't do that. Don't do that. Do not sell your life to the man. But how do you avoid it, Mark? I'll tell you how. Hustle. Listen, I'm not saying it's not scary or even all that smart. I mean, consider the source, okay? (laughs) But I do know that hustle has kept me from wanting to shoot myself in the face with a bow and arrow, which is exactly what I'd do if I was stuck doing something I fully hated forever. Something that, of itself, prevented me from the opportunity to do something I could potentially enjoy. I've bounced around for years, okay? This job, that job, this restaurant, that bar, this random gig. Only reason that's a negative? Lame social constructs we learned from a lame society. I'm convinced of it. Try to make a little bread, move on to the next opportunity until the opportunity. Sure, like I said, sometimes it's a little scary, but sometimes, sometimes it's amazing. We all look ahead and we think, oh, this day we'll go to such and such a place and do such and such a thing, right? Right? But as we've established before, man makes the plans and God laughs. And no, I did not get that from Chuck D. Okay? Chuck, call me. Let's talk. This is getting embarrassing. You see, I thought for sure by now I'd be a father of four and settled into some straight job where the money was known and satisfying and the future unfolded like every dumb movie or TV show I ever watched odd the tendency to do this I I mean does it ever actually happen outside of a script and even then in those movies isn't that always the setup for like ghosts living in your TV freaking aliens landing in your backyard maybe some nut wearing the severed head of a woodland creature crouched outside your window here look if you have that life where all your little plans worked out let me pause for a second and let you check the closet for the guy who wants to turn you into a pair of shoes because it's a setup man it's a setup And don't we all know that one person who did, in fact, plan it all out and achieve the set goals? I know that person, those people. You know what I've learned? Almost every one of them hits a curve in the road and off the course they go at some point. Some of those curves are better than others. Man, I thought for sure I'd be raising kids by the beach, you know, figuring out how to get to a couple Raider games a year. Maybe save a little money for their future or some shit. I don't know. But here I am doing literally none of those things. But if I was doing those things, I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be talking to you. I wouldn't be catching up with people I haven't talked to in years or getting to know people I've never known. At the time this comes out, I'll be working a NASCAR event, okay? Laying fiber cable and chasing cameramen. That's my job. That's going to be my job. This was in none of the plans, okay? This was no plan at any point. It just came by some hustle. And a buddy who did what he said he'd do. Thank you, Ryan Luther. Can't forget that ever. I mean... This was in no plans. It was none. You just never know. You never know what's going to come up. Or do you? Every once in a while, a hustler meets the planning person and they create the beast. (laughs) My guest tonight is a full-on beast, okay? He's the bridge between divinely laughable plans, a well-laid course, and straight-up hustle. A beast. Only way to describe the dude. So without further ado, let's talk with this beast again and see if we can't squeeze some hustle out of him. Ryan Clark, back for part two. Oh, and also, once again, we'll be enjoying a track from the new group he's doing with Randy Torres, Knives. New album is Anxiety on Spartan Records, which just dropped this week. You should already have it. But if you don't, 
and need a little motivation, stick around till we're done yapping. A little song in there for you. Till then, enjoy. There was a picture, correct me if I'm wrong, there's a picture and there was, you know, obscured, if you will, faces of the members of the band. Mm -hmm. Was Brandon Ebel in that picture? I told you nothing was off limits. Um, (laughs) That's right. Uh yeah, he was he was in a couple of the first photos. You can neither confirm nor deny if you prefer. I'll t- I'll tell it. It's been like 13 years. <laughs> I always I, in the back of my head I'm always worried about the legitimacy of the band like with in regard to things like that and I'm like it was like 13 years ago. We hadn't even put a band oh, together. Come yet. on. My brother yeah. and I my brother and I were, you know, writing the record when we recorded the first record it was he and I um Aaron Sprinkle's brother who Jesse uh, mm-hmm. Plays, yeah, who plays drums, basically was, at that point, was a session drummer for us. Um, me and my brother played all the guitars and bass and sang everything. And so it wasn't until after the first record was out that we even had a band, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, obviously the first photo shoot, which precedes <laughs> the first record, is not going to be the real band. Uh, whether anyone put those pieces together, you know? I don't think anyone was all that worried about it. I think they were stoked that something was fun. I don't know. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was a different, we went about the thing like totally different than most bands you know we kind of put it together as it as it went and it wasn't until the first record was out basically when we started writing songs it became pretty clear that like we really liked the material and Mm -hmm. we were going to take this thing pretty seriously and so the tone of the band kind of shifted to like maybe this is a a fun like secret tongue-in-cheek thing to like this is you know i like this being serious yeah man and so um it started kind of taking shape in a serious fashion then we did the record with like zero expectations and then the record started doing like really well. And uh, so then we were like, okay, well, if we want to further legitimize this thing, let's put together a touring band. Mm-hmm. And um, so we did, comprised of Chris McCadden, who was at that point, you know, he was in embodiment before, but at that point he was working with me in the Tooth and Nail Art Department. Mm-hmm. Um, and then John Dunn, who's still with us, was working in the Tooth and Nail Mailroom. And uh, Jesse, who had drummed on the record. Um, so it was basically just this, it was like, throwing together this tooth and nail staff member band essentially <laughs> that ended up being like the first amalgamation of the band. And, um, and you know, it took different shapes. I think that's kind of cool though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it worked, you know, it was exciting. It's just as legit as half these other bullshit bands that were made up of random dudes. I mean, come on. Oh yeah. Yeah. At least, at least we played the stuff, you know, we did it yeah. well, you know? So. Plus I think, you know, if I may be so bold and you're looking at, it was particularly you and your brother, you know, all the art and the visuals. It's not really that mystifying that the visual came before the music. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, not at all. Uh, no. For us, that's not that's not a weird thing. I know for some for some bands, it's kind of an afterthought. But it's like every time I conceive of a new project, you know, like most recently, it's like this Knives project that I'm doing. Yeah. It, you know, it wasn't very long after me and Randy started messing around that I had like the logo done and like, <laughs> you know, we were already thinking about like this and that, like yeah, yeah. everything for the second record, you know, the first one's not even, you know, I, we just sent it to, to the Kickstarter contributors yesterday as a download. So we haven't even sent out the packages and stuff. We're still putting everything together, but like the second record is already pretty much conceived visual, visually, you know, <laughs> we know exactly what we're yeah. doing. So I love me some Randy Torres. Yeah, man. We'll get to knives. Cause we definitely, I definitely want to focus on that and the relation between that and the lo and behold thing too. I think I, I hear similarities obviously, mm-hmm. but I also, I also hear, you know, going back and listening to a lot of these demon hunter songs, it's not an illogical place to land this knives, this kind of dark eighties thing. It seems pretty, pretty logical to me. Yeah. I'm, it might seem pretty left field to some people. Um, I think probably to a younger person and maybe to someone that like only listens to a certain kind of music or is right, primarily right. a certain kind of music. I get that they might think like, what is this? Um, but for a guy who's like, you know, I've made no secret that like the first record that like kind of changed my life was Depeche Mode Violator. Okay. And um, so that, 
I've always talked about that in interviews and things like that. So that that was a huge landmark record for me. And I've also said a lot in interviews and things that I feel like the reason Demon Hunter sounds the way it does, and I'd like to think kind of stands apart from the the rest of the bands in that genre, is because I don't really take much of a, a reference from metal. I don't really listen to much metal. Yeah. Uh, there's a handful of bands that I still dig, most of which, you know, started in the 90s. You know, maybe they're still doing it. Um, Machine Head and Soil Work and bands like that that have been mm-hmm. around longer than Demon Hunter has. Um, I still dig a lot of those guys' stuff. And there's the occasional metal record that will come up and I'll be like, oh, this is really cool. Yeah. But for the most part, every time I pop in something new that people are raving about or something new from a band that I liked five, eight years ago, I'm usually pretty underwhelmed. Um, and it's not, I'm not trying to be an elitist guy. It's just like, I feel like I've heard everything. Um, I guess I get bored with the genre lately. So that's how, I mean, I understand where you're coming from. We ran into the same thing back in the eighties, man, with the crucified everybody. It was, it's just the same rehashing of the same aggressive style of music. You know, obviously the the difference between the eighties and, and the early aughts or whatever musically is huge but it's the same issue you know the bands kind of get lazy i feel like or maybe Mm -hmm. they're or maybe not lazy maybe they're afraid to really push it a little and tweak things a little bit i mean that's why i think a band like refused still maintains their edge because they're constantly tweaking things and they're constantly pushing the envelope for the style that they're playing and it all fits right because they make no apology for doing that yeah and those are the bands that people end up following you know obviously the ones that aren't afraid to do something new and different yeah and and you know i think the problem is it's either there are bands that are copying a little too much from their inspiration um they're a little too derivative of what they grew up on i think which is a a thing that fans stopped caring about young fans stopped caring about it somewhere along the line Hmm. um like when under oath was huge you know um they had a pretty original sound and then along came you know 20 bands that sounded like under oath (laughs) right Right. And they all got, you know, maybe not all of them, but a good handful of them got really big, sounded yeah. just like Under Oath. And it seems like the fans didn't really have the discretion to to be like, ah, this is too derivative. So a lot of these bands started getting really successful. So I, what I hear when I hear modern metal bands are bands that are super derivative of one another, maybe a little bit. There's also like the throwback kind of thing, you know, bands that basically sound like like the Crucified did or like old old thrash bands did, hmm. you know, bands that are kind of trying to do that throwback sound. There's that, which yeah. is, you know, still derivative. And then there's bands that are trying to tread new ground. The problem is the ground they're treading is like not something I'm interested in. It's not to me. It's they're like combining styles and things that sure. that aren't pleasing yeah. to my ears. <laughs> you know, you have this band that's like a metalcore band and they'll throw in some kind of just just for the sake of being different or for the sake of trying to be original they'll throw in some crazy like russian techno breakdown right or, right. or like some horn section thing or whatever and it's like that color does not look good with the outfit you're trying to wear yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then the band like gojira comes along every once in a while and they're like that's that's how you do it that's how you do something mm. new and fresh and different and cool and they're you know they kind of blow everyone over and they're just they're a metal band they didn't have to add a horn section or whatever they're just but they're just killing it and they're doing something different so yeah. But that's super, super rare. This knives record, and I even hear some, some this the, the lo and behold material that I have heard, and then I go back and listen to some of this demon hunter stuff. Even the the songs that are more popular, or the songs that are slightly 
more obscure. And I do hear one consistent thing happening there, which is a melody. That's always been my complaint with aggressive music is you play whatever you want to play. It's fine. You know, my opinion means nothing, but I'm not going to like it if there's no, no melody there. I want Mm -hmm. deep down. I love the soul. You know, I love the soul music and it all goes back to the blues. And if there's no, for me, and if, if there's no root there, then it just bores me. And you know, you take, you can get as violent and as aggressive as you want, but if there's no soul, it's, it just seems pointless to me. Yeah. And I hear, you know, I hear these melodies. Maybe I have a unique perspective in that because I'm not super familiar with all the Demon Hunter songs. You know, there's a consistent kind of mood to the music that I that I appeals to me, mm-hmm. you know, but there's still some good hooks. And I can definitely hear the Depeche Mode uh, yeah. hook, which to me is I mean, man, when we did those Neon Horse records, it was constantly Martin challenging me to try to find a little more gore or, you know, a little more gahan where, uh-huh. you know, on one side or the other. Yeah, the um, that stuff seeps through, especially in the knives stuff. It's like that stuff just seeps through whether I want it to or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel the same way about Melody stuff. There's a handful of bands, especially stuff maybe from earlier in my youth, bands that are like not not necessarily have a melodic vocal that I still love, like bands like At The Gates Mm -hmm. and things like that. But, you know, to them, they hold a melody in an entirely different way. Like the guitars are extremely melodic. And so there's something else there. But um, for the most part, I'm the same way. It's, it's gotta have, it's gotta have a melody. Uh, There's, you know, there's a, a handful of Demon Hunter songs that are heavy all the way through and there's no, there's no vocal melody, but that's, you know, to basically show polarize both sides of the band you know there'll Mm be eight songs on a record that'll have you know kind of half screaming half singing songs there'll be another two songs that are full-on singing and then there'll be like one or two songs that are all the way barn burners you know yeah um and that's just to for the flow of the record and to just kind of show the breadth of the style of the band i'm all about that so that's that's something we started you know the first record has a couple ballads on it because we wanted to like set that precedent like we want to be able to do these slow songs yeah and the last record was our seventh you know and there's definitely a little bit more of that stuff on there like there's a couple of ballads and then there's a couple of those in between ballad and heavy songs that are all singing but yeah it's kind of expanded a little bit but we still show that like full breadth of the whole thing oh yeah the song i was listening to uh the song cross to bear mm-hmm. that thing just kills <laughs> it kills yeah that's one of those that's one of those ones that's just heavy all the way through but there's melody there still you know yeah there's there's a bit you know it's it exists in different dig it. in different ways yeah you know which also brings to mind a little uh sidebar here i mean is that technically on tooth and nail that record yeah, um, that was our last in, in, our, in our deal. Well, I just wanted to be known that uh, when you've sold a couple records, the, the reins tend to loosen up a little bit. <laughs> because, <laughs> what, on the bastard? <laughs> yeah, that's right, because we got shut down. It's Neon Horse has, yeah. Didn't you say bastard, though, like in an old... I did. So bizarre, because I am a bastard. I was born without, <laughs> illegitimately, you know, but the... Uh, there's a punk record I did called Outer Circle and, and that word's in there and no one seemed to care. Yeah, see, that's what I remember it from. But then Neon Horse comes out and the first song on the second album, which is one of my favorite songs that we wrote, and the line was one of the favorite lines of that I've ever written, you know, uh, the, I'll return as the bastard king. I mean, like, come on. It's in context, man. It's clearly in context. And I got shut down so hard. <laughs> they were like, Mark, Mark, you don't understand. We get these letters. We get these emails. I mean, people get mad because there's a snake on an album cover. So sure enough, we had to change that shit to rascal. What the <laughs> hell is this? <laughs> the, uh, oh, yeah. God. I mean, definitely, like, the, the reins have loosened over the years just in yeah, general. Yeah. Um, not just for us, but just across the board. Um, oh, that song kills, though, man. But for me, that that's a bigger risk for the band than it is for the label these days. Um, and I I always know what I'm getting into with that kind of stuff. <laughs> like, I fully know, like, what, what it possibly could mean in terms of emails and stuff yeah. like that. And we have had to, like, back that up a handful of times with people that are bummed out about it i mean the, the issue is like i've always written songs that are about real life sure. and are about like you know pretty crazy issues uh dealing with with adult themes you know I, it's not really masked right. at all like that's just the way it is and if the songs have ever been like catchy enough for kids to like sing on the way to church it's like that's fine and all but that's not like why I, that's not why i've done this right um the the theme of the songs and what i'm trying to get across has never been like kids music or whatever so if 
you know, you hear cross to bear and you have a eight year old that used to love demon hunter. And now you can't let him hear this song and you're bummed out or whatever. It's like, I'm, I'm sorry, but like, I was never writing songs for sure. eight year olds. You know, if it, if it happened to be that our, that a lot of our stuff was quote unquote safe enough <laughs> as a byproduct, then that's fine. But if it turns out that I want to write something that is aimed at adults that have the power to discern words, then that's yeah. what I'm going to do. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I've talked about the context that I use that in. Um, it doesn't sound as contextual as your version. <laughs> I understand that. Um, there's a little bit of both to it as far as I'm concerned. But um, yeah, I, I absolutely, you know, I know where that line is. Uh, with pinpoint precision, I know sure. where that line is. I've been, you know, like you, we've been doing this for 20 years. I know exactly what's going to get people's goat and what's not. watching a couple of the videos, you know, and there was a, a comment made regarding the safe, the safeness of the Christian music industry. You guys have never, there's never been any mystery as to whether or not Demon Hunter were Christian dudes in a Christian band or whatever. And it never mattered. It doesn't ever seem to matter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously I've, I've had my struggles with that whole, the terminology and, 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 um, and the label and all that type of thing. But I've also, like when, when, for instance, when Martin and I did the second Neon Horse record, we straight out decided we're going to do a Christian rock record. We just, we decidedly, yeah. we want to make a good Christian rock album. And we just decided that, you know, but for, for a band like Demon Hunter, I mean, for crying out loud, it's called Demon Hunter. There's, you know. Yeah. And the, I mean, the funny thing is, you know, we've in essence gotten more bold every record <laughs> and we don't play the game of like Jesus is per minute. Like we're right, not in that world. Right. But with that said, it's like, 
it's very clear where we stand. Every band that we've toured with, every fan that we've talked to, they all know yeah. where we stand. It's not we don't have to spell it out for them. Um, and that just doesn't stop the Christian market fan from needing, you know, our explanation of our faith every single record. <laughs> you know, it it never fails. We there is no winning. So the problem oh, is, God. and it is a it, it's a pretty massive problem because what I've seen happen with so many of the bands that we kind of grew up with in this scene is that really started to wear on the dudes in the band. Yeah. And, and now I'm, you know, looking at all these guys that used to be in these Christian bands and really believe this stuff that I don't want to blame it entirely on the fan base. No, Um, of course not. That's, I don't think that's fair to make a blanket statement, but all I can say is that the scrutiny from that side of things can get so crazy sometimes that you just want to throw your hands up and be like, I want nothing to do with this. Well, I got to tell you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And everyone who's ever been in a band knows exactly how yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, people that, that aren't and haven't been through it probably don't know. But I don't know if that in and of itself is enough to really lose faith. But you basically have to put on a really thick skin. Sure. And you have to be comfortable with re-explaining and re-explaining and reaffirming and, you know, massaging these these people uh, into believing that you are still <laughs> yeah. with every record. Yeah. That you're still, you know, sol- on solid ground. Man, why do you think that is? I've talked about this with guys for years. And I think I've come to an answer. You know, I feel like it's such a bum out to find out that something you loved because you thought it was a certain way has no longer that way. You know, I think people are always afraid of bands falling off the path. I think that's why that is, why the people need constant reaffirmation that the band is still, you guys are still Christians, right? You know I mean? Obviously it's legalistic Christianity is such a thin line. And so a lot of these kids are growing up in, you know, Midwest, South, wherever it is. And even outside of those areas, there's a lot of people growing up in these legalistic kind of Christian sects or whatever. And that is, it's dangerously thin, that line where you're told that, as soon as you do this, you're going to hell, right, or as soon right. as you do this, you know, you're not in God's will or whatever it is. And that's basically just working against humanity and just real yeah. life. Yeah. You know, um, it's just, that's not, that doesn't work for anyone. Um, and the problem is, you know, these people that live in this kind of bubble see the world that way. And they're constantly worried that a Christian band that was Christian last time, isn't going to still be Christian yeah. anymore, you know, cause this band or that band isn't <laughs> anymore. And so they're just continually worried that that they're going to fall outside of their bubble um the problem is that that bubble doesn't really exist in the way that those people view it you know um it's not as black and white as it is in their head and so it's just difficult it's it's not that it's not as thin of a line as a lot of those people would would like to think that it is this discussion regarding you know constant affirmation and the fear really that someone isn't a christian anymore or whatever the society that we live in right now does sort of force this issue a little bit with regard to politics and christianity and with faith and politics being so intermeshed in the society that we live in which is also a very highly media saturated society so it's going to be around them a lot Mm -hmm. i wonder how much that's influencing the conversation there's this this constant you know the world is or america's under attack from not being a christian nation anymore or something like that from that to all the way to this is the way christian people are this is the way christian people should vote this is the way they should stand Mm -hmm. i just was curious if you see that infiltrating the 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 fan base you know the kids are coming to the shows do you hear anything like that at all do you ever is that ever come up as far as just i mean how do you manage to stay out of that we haven't gotten a lot of that kind of stuff like like the politically motivated fan or the fan that that desires that kind of information Mm -hmm. from us but it's it's definitely clear that um a lot of the fans do exist in that bubble when they when they kind of come up and want to talk or whatever you know there's like there's like the how's your walk fans <laughs> you know and the sure. what's your favorite bible verse of fans course. and what church do you go to fans you know that was a lot of the questions are you know they're fine but at the same time i also feel like there's a right answer to this question to this kid mm-hmm. you know like like i could answer that wrong you know um and that shouldn't be the case you know <laughs> I, I don't know yeah i think our fan is a younger fan and so the political stuff isn't really it doesn't really seem to be a factor. Okay. It's just all about, it's just all about like the, give me a, just a little bit of proof and I'll walk away right, fine. Like, right. you know, 
I'll go home and I'll rest easy. Just give me a little bit of proof that like, you know what a Bible verse is. <laughs> what do you say to that though? I mean, I found myself resenting that, you know? Well, yeah, exactly. And that's why, you know, like <sighs> I said, a lot of these dudes have just fallen off. Yeah. And like, I, I have to basically in my head, like take a deep breath and be like, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be that guy who weathers this storm. Huh. And it comes out 20 years later on the other side. And I still have my faith. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd I'd say that's a pretty, that's a great way of looking at it. like this and writing songs about it and talking about it and you know talking with friends about it and stuff like that and that all helps you know it helps me not get too jaded by it but um it's definitely it the funny thing is it's just this this element to being in a band that non-christian band guys just have no idea (laughs) yeah they don't even have to you know what i mean that sounds like a drag (laughs) yeah you explain it to these guys and they're like are you kidding like you have to do that like that's that's a thing you know because it just doesn't even exist it's not even on the radar you know christian music i have always said is the only genre like in the music store that's classified by its belief system and not the style of music that's been my thing forever i I bang that drum a lot (laughs) yeah and so it's like what is that how do you even start that conversation? You know, like, yeah. why are we in the gospel section with like BB Winans or whatever? Yeah. We're a metal band. Yeah. You know, like imagine the <laughs> like, surprise <what> when <laughs> uh, the DeGarmo and Key fans see the next guy, Demon Hunter. Hmm. Well, this must yeah. be, you know, whatever. I just revealed, it's I just bizarre. revealed my early Christian rock upbringing by a DeGarmo and Key reference. <laughs> It's, it's a bizarre world. Like people don't, I don't think people fully understand no. it. And you know, there's Christian artists that, you know, I've talked to my friends in the music industry, you know, I've been like, they'll ask like when I worked there, like, what are the big bands on 
tooth and nail. I'll be like, oh, Cutlass and Jeremy Camp are like selling millions of records. They're like, I have no idea. Yeah, who oh is. yeah, yeah. And it's just like this world that literally exists outside of like Bill Power says the real world of music, which is crazy. Yep, not the same at all, and does not translate either. Yeah, you know, even on our small scale, Dave Zaker found that to be very true. You you leave the Christian market to go to the general market, and it is a completely different ball game, man. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I also don't. Um, not any slight against you, you guys or bands that have tried that, but I also think that it flat out doesn't oh, work I think to, you're right. to go from a Christian <laughs> band to a, the same band, but not Christian. I mean, it's hard enough to be like a, in a Christian band and then start an entirely new band sure. and be like, we're not a Christian band. That's, that's hard enough. But bands that have been like, you know, we're Christians. And then, you know, three records later, like, no, we're not Christians. We're not doing that. Like there's, oh, yeah, you yeah. can just see there's this constant like barrage of, fans and you know questions and things like that just it it will it will never leave them you know they'll never let it down yeah i was never ashamed of my faith that's never been my issue i just was sick and tired of it if i'd have just stuck to my guns from the very beginning i think the the experience would have been much different Mm -hmm. but you you can't go back in time obviously and and uh what are you gonna do but i also think there's something to be said for being able to stop, assess the situation and go, listen, man, it is what it is. We are where we are. We have the fan base that we have. We're not going to change it. We're not going to suddenly leap from here to there and everything's going to be fine. This is where we're at. And so we need to make the best of it. And I think if someone would have slapped me in the face and told me that, you know, some 10 years ago when Stazeacre was mm-hmm. contemplating leaving and all, I think we would have seen things a little differently. But you also... I mean, all the other trappings come along with it. So it becomes, it's, it's not the easiest thing to see. Yeah. Once you realize that there is no, there's really no winning, like no matter where you stand, (laughs) that's when it becomes really clear that like, okay, well, I'm just going to do what I do and then let people kind of follow or not follow. Cause if you're, you know, if you're in a Christian band, that's like I said, not dropping J bombs every song, then you put yourself in this place of you're not going to be Christian enough for like the legalistic Christian fan. Right. And then you're too Christian to everyone else just by virtue of being on a Christian quote unquote Christian label or touring with Christian bands or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and so you find yourself walking this line between the, the two things. You're appealing to this very in between crowd that's okay with the fact that you're a Christian band, but you're not overtly Christian and they're okay, you know. <sighs> everyone else on the outskirts is like not giving you the time of day. Once you realize that if you just kind of stand in 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 the ground that you you want to be on, whatever that is you realize that all those people on the outside stop caring so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like with Demon Hunter, when we were just like, yeah, we're Christian, man. you know, whatever you want to call us, that's fine. Yeah, we're Christian. Who cares? Yeah. You know, then you have metal bands that aren't Christian that totally respect the band and respect our views and like the music, love us, sure. you know, like you start seeing that stuff come up and it's just like, it, stop, it stops being an issue, you know? I guess you have to probably do it for a while, you know, for it to go away, but I don't know. There's just, there is no winning. So just do what you, you know, just do whatever you do. And then it also helps though, to be good. (laughs) That's a prerequisite for sure. (laughs) In terms of getting respect from other people. Does help to not suck. here is what's next i mean obviously the knives album comes out uh any minute now really right i mean it's done Mm -hmm. you you know you did the 
you're selling the pre-orders or whatever. I got one. You're welcome. That was me. Awesome. Thank you. Is Demon Hunter kind of just pausing or, or still writing a new record? I mean, what's, what's the, what's next for you? So, um, yeah, this Knives record officially comes out on June 23rd through a small label here, um, called Spartan records. And, um, we are trying our hardest to get all this Kickstarter stuff yeah, out. Pretty which, tough. Like most people, you know, people that know the, the drill, it's, it's definitely, um, not for, um, trying <laughs> that we're, yeah, <laughs> that we're, uh, late, but yeah, trying to get all that stuff squared away so that hopefully all these people can get all their swag before like that record yeah. comes out. That's the goal. I mean, granted, we did send out the digital download to all the um, the Kickstarter con- contributors yesterday. So they all officially have nice. the record, which is great. That's That feels good. And then, yeah, get all this stuff out. I mean, I've got stacks of stuff to sign. I just signed like 400 vinyl yesterday, <laughs> which I had to unwrap. <laughs> I had to unshrink wrap each, each one of them. That's the thing that no one them. thinks about, man. Doing those long yeah. signings. Oh, yeah. It's not just, here's a stack of records and write your... It's you have to have them to sit somewhere on the desk or whatever. Oh yeah. It's just <laughs> So these things are they're boxed <laughs> they're boxed fifty per box. Uh, and, and each ten is boxed in its own box within the box. Sweet. <laughs> and that box is is wrapped with cables like wrapped around it and then you open that the cable wrapped concrete box to get out to get out your the 10 records and they're all shrink wrapped you got to cut them you're kidding me russian nesting dolls yeah and there's three different you know colors of vinyl so i have to keep them in the appropriate boxes after I sign them, you know? Oh yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's, that's what I'm <laughs> dealing with now. Hopefully get all that, all, all that stuff out in the next couple weeks. Um, and then it's DH time again. Um, yeah, I'm always constantly like, you know, recording little ideas into my phone, just kind of song starts and sure melodies and riffs and stuff like that. So I've been being, trying to be more deliberate about collecting that stuff right now. Cause I want to be in the mindset of, starting to ramp up to write new stuff. And so that is definitely on the horizon, something that I'm going to be working towards in the next six months. When we record that is yet kind of a yet to be seen kind of thing. It will either be like, hopefully either the end of this year or early next. Okay. But there's so many different, I mean, there's so many things that have happened uh, since the last record, basically the last record we did in Nashville for the first time ever. And um, we had always done them up here in Seattle, which made things real easy for me. But Aaron Sprinkle moved to Nashville and three of my band members live in Nashville. Um, so it just made sense. Uh, we did primarily the record with Jeremiah, our guitar player, in his home studio, which we'll probably do again, which means probably Nashville again. Mm-hmm. And so there's orchestrating all of that stuff. So, yeah, we'll just we'll kind of map it out and see what happens. But also, you know, since that time, um, I've had a baby two months ago, John Dunn. Our right, bass player right. had a baby two months ago and two weeks ago or something like that. Jeremiah had, when we recorded the last record, his kids were like five months old. Um, so now oh. they're two years old and we have another baby coming in the band as well, which I don't know if it's officially been announced yet. So Public knowledge yet. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So all that to say, we went from zero babies in the band to five babies. <laughs> in the band within within two years time there's five babies so yeah you you you, you basically had another band yeah yeah much. it's yeah. it's insane and so that obviously messes with the timeline a bit so um well yeah and then you've got invisible creatures mm-hmm. you know i mean i don't know how obviously we can't get into that too far but there's ongoing projects there i'm sure and yeah that's you know that keeps my days entirely chock full so yeah on top of all that stuff it's like even when i no, I need to be writing material for Demon Hunter. It's like I have, you know, days and weeks worth of design work to get through. So at any one time. <laughs> so yeah, it's a lot of juggling. Um, and now like the babies pose a whole new scheduling issue. So all that to say it will happen and hopefully sooner than later. Yeah. That's the next thing on the horizon. Um, me and Randy are already working towards a second knives record just because it's that working um style is so much easier than the traditional band thing. So, um, you know, he's constantly writing songs and sending them my way and it's, uh, yeah, it's very, and that's a, that's a collab, like a truly collaborative effort there. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's what's nice about knives too. Is it's um, Demon Hunter. I you know I'm responsible for writing most everything, whereas knives I'm kind of just responsible for the the vocals and lyrics and melodies and cadence and stuff. So it mm-hmm. allows me to to just kind of focus on that part. Like everything Randy sends yeah. me, I'm just like, oh, it's the best thing ever. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm really stoked with with like his contributions, and so I'm excited to write to him. And um, but it's just so much. For me, it's so so much less of a, a toiling, you know. Um, so yeah, less of a task. Yeah, yeah. Demon Hunter stuff can be, you know, it can take a long time to write a song. So the knife stuff comes easier, and not only that, but it's just like the traditional band, you know, setting up drums and recording guitars and stuff like that. That's all thrown out the window because it's, it's just all <laughs> for the most part, it's electronic, you know, with a handful of real instruments here and there. But it's just easy. It's super easy. Care to weigh in on the lo and behold? I mean, do we have a um, that that is something that we've been working towards for years now. Me and Jason Martin of Starflyer have been working on this band for, um, man, six years, probably just kind of doing a song here, two songs there, three songs there. And so we've been compiling, you know, songs to work towards something for a long time. Now the styles kind of changed, the songs changed. um, finally got to a place probably about a year and a half ago or so that we had a good group of songs that we felt really good about and the style it was you know it's something we were comfortable with and worked out a little deal with this uh with northern you've worked with and right, then, uh, right. that's kind of been on the back burner ready to go ready to put on the front burner for a few months now um kind of waiting for all this the knives stuff to subside a little bit and then we're going to be releasing that full-length record later in the year so i'll just be uh, announcing that stuff as soon as it comes up but yeah Never a dull moment. I think you need another you, man. Oh, man, I would. I talk about that all the time. (laughs) I wish they would just hurry up and get the technology going.
Brian Clark, polymathic beast, polemoth. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. And again, I hope you enjoyed his new band, Knives, okay? Get you that record. It's beautiful. Anxiety on Spartan Records. Oh, also, the project I mentioned on the last show, the one where Ryan inexplicably takes on not only more work, but more work with me. Not always a great plan. Uh, it's not time to disclose exactly what that is yet, but, you know, I'd welcome your speculation. Please, send us an email. What do you think Ryan and I are up to? You can shoot me an email at the Twilight Zone at INeverWas.com or an email about anything else, really. Um, you can reach us on Facebook or, with this topic in mind, how about a little tweet? Reach me at Never Was Podcast and uh, let me know. What do you think we're doing? Let's not get too crazy here, okay? I don't want you crushingly disappointed later. We're not inventing hoverboards or anything. But give me something good to read. Do not disappoint me. Okay, tonight we heard Collapsing by Demon Hunter off the album The World is a Thorn. Cross to Bear, my favorite jam off their latest album, Extremist. Uh, complete with gratuitous use of the word bastard, I might point out. Off that same album, we also heard I Will Fail You. And a little something you might not have heard before. Some people from the Lo and Behold album on Northern Records. And of course, as promised, Fall Behind off of Knives' debut album, Anxiety. Any other music you heard tonight is from my band White Lighter's self-titled debut on that very same Northern Records. This show was produced by Billy Power of Urban Achiever Show and Urban Achiever Podcast. This episode and all other previous episodes can be found on the website ineverwas.com where there'll be links to all the things that Ryan's mentioned here, of course, um, as well as our Patreon link. If you dig the show and would like to support, please drop on by, throw a buck or two in the hat, help us keep the wheels turning. And of course, I can't miss mentioning our new knights of the Patreon table. The one, the only, Cotton. That's David Cotton, ladies and gentlemen. David Cotton. Oh, yes. Sequence Master, Mike G. My boy, Mike G. Thank you, man. Let's uh, talk some football soon, you poor Chiefs fan. Timothy Joseph. Timothy, I appreciate that very much. And a familiar face, Jason Evans. Great to hear from you again, man. And again, thank you for your support. Thank you to everyone who has supported the show, be it little monthly something in the Patreon page or just sharing it. I encourage you. I am asking you, hoping that you will share this show with other people. Spread the word. It's free. That's it for this week, okay? Join us next week as we foolishly plan to catch up with Dead Poetics' Brandon Reich. Every time I've announced the next guest, the wheels have come off in spectacular fashion. So hold on and wait for the fire, folks. Till then. Rainbow out.